0: The Ducks have been doing some serious soul-searching lately, but their head coach is still with the team, and the GM is pulling off every minor trade in the book to wake his team up. Will his plan work, or will it backfire miserably? Plus, we have a curious one-for-one trade and a quick return for Vincent Trocheck. Episode 155 of the podcast starts right now.
1: It's time to lace them up. Here's
0: Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth.
1: I'm Brett Duboff.
0: Before we go any further, we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia once again. Brett, are you ready for this week's question?
1: I am ready, yes.
0: All right, question 43 is as follows. What incident caused Toronto's Conn Smythe to resign as chairman of the Hockey Hall of Fame's board in 1971? Was it A, the Hall's induction of one of Smythe's players? B, a newspaper report investigating Smythe's business dealings? C, Smythe's unpopular trade of a star forward? Or D, televised comments he made on Hockey Night in Canada?
1: Um, I feel like we would know if he made a crazy trade or if he said something outrageous in Hockey Night in Canada because then someone would mention it. So I'm going to say, you know, in the time, uh, in that time frame. So I feel like, um, uh, I'm going to go with the second answer. He had an issue with handling business.
0: Well, you, um, cleverly deducted the two incorrect answers. The problem is you chose B instead of A and A was the right answer. Um, the Hall's induction of one of Smythe's players was the correct answer. I'll give you a backstory uh, to that.
1: Damn it. All right.
0: So he assembled one of hockey's most renowned scoring legacies, the kid line, made up of Joe Primo, Charlie Connacher, and Busher Jackson. As the centerpiece of his rebuilding efforts in Toronto during the late 1920s, the three sim finished first, second, and fourth in the 31 32 scoring race and helped Toronto win its first Stanley Cup under the Maple Leafs banner. While Mm. Conacher and Primo became Hall of Famers in the 1960s, Busher Jackson's entry was blocked by the influential Smythe, who disapproved of his former scoring leader's carousing lifestyle. In 1971, the Hall finally enshrined Jackson, while Smythe resigning from the Hall selection committee in protest.
1: Interesting.
0: So Uh, didn't like the way his player lived his life, and. denied him access and the Hall of fame says, yeah, we're going to vote him in. And Smythe says, well, not on my watch. I'm, I'm uh, voting against in protest and I'm uh, leaving the board. So, right.
1: There you go. That's interesting. I, 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 never actually like, I guess it makes sense, but I never actually thought of like the guy who's named after like all these different awards. I was like an actual guy who was involved in hockey. So it's like, I mean, I know like Masterton was a guy who died on the ice. Art Ross was a famous guy, Jack Adams was a famous coach, but I don't know, you know what I mean? It's like a yeah. weird thing to think like, oh, right, he was an actual person. Um, and, now,
0: and now in case you're wondering why Busher Jackson doesn't have any awards, maybe Gons has something that's to do that's with probably, it.
1: Yeah, that might have something to do with it. Um, Alright, we're going to start things off with the Ducks um they went on a historic losing streak um which we touched on briefly last week but uh i figured it was worth a bigger or we figured it was worth a bigger discussion cuz they made a lot of different moves uh they have since won uh they've won twice but they are still 2 and 13 in the last 15 games including a 12 game um Losing streak, uh, so that's not great. Obviously, uh, currently I'm looking at the standings. I said they're t- they're tied with Minnesota, uh, but it looks like after last night's win from Vancouver or Vancouver uh, had an overtime loss. They uh, they just pulled ahead of Minnesota and Anaheim. Um, so that Vancouver is now in that wild card spot. Um, so what's crazy about this is is that even, despite losing, like, going on this historic losing streak um, where they've lost 12 in a row, they're still on playoff contention, which is insane to me. Because if you, like, I mean, I guess it makes sense if, you, like, let's say... Tampa Bay goes on a losing streak, then you can reasonably say that they could still make the playoffs considering that they've only lost 10 games so far. Um, and the next, and like Toronto, which is the second closest in the division has 17 losses. So it's like they could afford to lose that, but like Anaheim doesn't never, never had that luxury, but clearly they, they did have that luxury because now they're just out of the playoffs. Um, and they're still in contention. So they made some moves. Uh, we talked about Devin Shore for... Uh, what's his face? Uh, Andrew Cogliano last week. Um, I think Shore is on the top line now, which is kind of crazy. They also traded Pointus Auberg to Minnesota for Derek Grant or jo- Justin Cluse, And then they traded Joseph Blandizi to Pittsburgh for Derek Grant. Um, I think Grant has has, uh, been decent for Anaheim. Um, I don't think he's scored yet though. Um, but that was kind of surprising because point is Iberg Ad- was pretty good. Um, to start things off. He was
0: off. one of the few uh, guys on the team that scored 10 or more goals.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a strange trade in that perspective, but then he was like healthy scratch for the last two games. So maybe it made it seem mm-hmm. like it was like, maybe there was just a disagreement uh, between the coach or the, the management and him, um, but yeah, it was strange that they cut him because he was playing pretty well. um Yeah, before I talk about all the other stuff, do you have any comments on what I just talked about so far?
0: Well, uh, obviously, when you look at the fact they're still in contention, it's it's honestly beyond me. I mean, you. <laughs> We're talking about a team that gets Ricard Raquel and Cam Fowler back and then right. loses Kasha, Silverberg, and Kessler to the IR. So they can never seem to get fully healthy. So that's one thing. Yep. Um, taking a look at some of their individual team. stats um, 20 goals scored over those 12 games, fewest in the league, surprise, surprise during that stretch. Uh, bottom 10 in goals against, not good. Outscored 43 to 20. Um, they generated the fifth fewest shots but also gave up the ninth fewest shots against, So um, at least they're not giving uh, the other team more chances to score. Um, Power play has been a struggle for four for 37 during that 12-game slide. Um, Somehow they weren't the worst in the league in that department. Vegas, Washington, and Vancouver all did worse on the power play than they did during that stretch. Their penalty kill was at 80%, which, you know, when you think on the surface, oh, that's not bad, still near the bottom 10. Um, six most giveaways, also not good. So there are a lot of negative stats during that 12 game slide that kind of spoke to how they lost all those games in the first place.
1: Yeah. The crazy thing is, is the, um, in that span, the, uh, San Diego goals, which is the ducks AHL affiliate. They were on a 15 game, uh, point streak. I'm not sure if that still exists right now, but, uh, they did uh, the Ducks did call up uh, Max Jones and uh, with Troy Terry um, up from San Diego. Troy Terry had a goal and an assist in, in one of the games that they won. Um, but uh, Max Jones hasn't scored any, but it, like it's kind of a crazy thing to do to think about considering that like these are big prospects for them. And like they kind of are forced to uh, call them up right now because they probably were gonna wait a year for them to just you know chill out in the in the AHL, but because of these injuries that you mentioned to Kessler, Silverberg, um, and uh, and Koshay, uh they kind of have to call up these guys. And now and then when they're losing, they, you know, it's kind of like another spark. It's like they never. It's like they acquired someone. For a trade um even though they never actually made a trade in the first place so um so that that i find kind of interesting i wonder how max jones and troy terry will do um i hope it yeah, does
0: a look at uh, some of their stats jones has 12 goals and 24 points in 32 games in the ahl yeah um troy terry uh 16 goals and 37 points in 32 games he's uh their uh, leading scorer, uh, co-leader, I should say, because Sam Carrick also has 37 points in 32 games. He was also called up because Kessler uh, was put on the IR. So uh, now you add Sam Carrick into the mix. Uh, the guy they didn't call up, Sam Steele, who is supposed to be uh, one of their future stars, not named Max Comtois Right. Uh, he has 21 points in 30 AHL games. What? Well, I- And and he played junior hockey last year, so
2: this is his rookie AHL season right
1: now. I think all all of these play like both Max Jones and Troy Terry were like have high pedigrees. I believe Max Mm, Jones, Max Jones was a first round pick in 2016. Um, I think Troy Terry, uh, Troy Terry had that like a phenomenal shootout goal in the uh, World Juniors. Yeah, um, he 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 turned on the Tate's
0: 2.0 in the World yeah. Juniors. like in shootouts he was clutch.
1: So that kind of put his name on the map. Um I'm trying to find here where San Diego is on the standings in the HL. Um Oh they're they're in third place in their division. They're 20, twelve and 3-2. Thir- but anyways, uh yeah, you you mentioned the the points that uh so I I am curious to see... like I feel like Uh, Once they find their rhythm, it could be something that's interesting and added depth for them. But the big story here is that, uh, uh, just for the Ducks, you mentioned, uh, we already mentioned the injuries here too. Um, I'm just making sure I'm covering all the bases before. (laughs) Um, The big news here is that, uh, like, you lose 12 in a row. That's that's very bad, um, and then it, it just shows that like I think in the in years past it seemed like Gibson and 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 or Ryan Miller when a Gibson couldn't you know start um, like those guys were bailing the ducks out, and this has been a, like an issue for them for a long time now. Like they've always had injuries, but even still, it's like you know you expect to be better than that. That's when depth becomes key for you. Um, and uh, and now it seems like Gibson can't, Gibson can't save them now. Um, so it kind of makes you wonder uh, what's, what are the Ducks should do? Should they fire their coach, uh, Paul Marie? Uh, not Paul Maurice. Randy uh, Carlisle. Randy Carlisle, damn it. Um, I got. The, <laughs> I don't know why. I Randy thought Paul Carlisle Maurice,
2: wishes he was in Paul Maurice's shoes. Yeah, right I, know, now. I Paul know. Maurice is loving life. In my I life. was just
1: thinking, like, I know, I know this is wrong, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Um, yeah, I don't. So it it's wondering, like, maybe Randy Carlisle's lost the room. I remember in Toronto, he he kind of has lost the room, even though they were a good team. It's just that, like, the defense wasn't holding up to what they uh expected of him and um so like it's it's I don't know I feel like Randy Carlisle's days are numbers even when they've won a couple of games yet um but it's crazy too considering that they're like they could still make the playoffs like they're not out of it um it's still reasonable to believe that they could still make it but yeah what do you think the Ducks should do
2: Well,
0: um, I don't think firing their coach is a good idea because I read on the hockey news that out of all the teams that have made coaching changes, that would be the Kings, the Blackhawks, the Blues, the Oilers, and the Flyers. None have done necessarily better following the coaching change. So why make a midseason change now? Um, Especially when, you know, Joel Quenville, of course, is is waiting in the wings looking for a new team. So this – this is probably going to be something that's determined in the offseason if, if Randy Carlisle's a good fit or not. And Bob Murray, who has just been signed to a contract extension in recent months, has given a vote of confidence to Carlisle. He still believes in his guy. He's made these deals to try and shake up his team, including Cogliano, who, by the way, um, you know had that Iron Man streak character guy in the locker room. If anything, trading him as a wake-up call. So he's trying all these... Moves that doesn't involve a star player to try and wake his team up and play for their coach, um, but just looking at some of the stats that um, the Anaheim Ducks uh, players have put up during this losing streak, it's not very good. Nick Ritchie is their leading scorer during that stretch with two goals and seven points. Getzlaf, Silverberg, Kosche, and Sprong all at thirty shots or more, combined for nine of the team's twenty goals scored during that stretch. Um, Getzlav individually, one goal in those 12 games, four points, minus 19 from their captain. A minus 19 from their captain, one goal in 12 games. Not good at all. Uh the second highest score with six points is Carter Rowney, who is a bottom six forward. Uh Gibson's GAA during that skid, 3.37. Again, not saving them now. Um, and when you look at their season stats overall. Ryan getzlav is their leading scorer. He has 32 points, which isn't all that good. You look at teams that suck, like Ottawa. You have guys like Mark Stone, guys like Matthew Shane, guys like Thomas shabbat that have at least 35 points, and Stone has got like 50. um A leading score that has 32 points is not very good at all. um Kasha has been good, but only played in 30 games, so 20 points in three games looks good, but. Yeah. you're not really helping the team if you're not on the ice playing True. uh silverberg has 12 goals but only 19 points henrique was practically a 30 goal scorer for them last year and he had he has uh, nine goals this year um raquel has been a 30 goal scorer in the past only eight goals in 37 games played this year um, he's missed
1: a lot of games to be fair so that's... yeah true
0: he's also missed a lot of games. but when he's played he only has eight goals in 37 games. True, true. So that's not all that flattering. So when you look at when you look at the stats for the ducks, not just on this losing streak but in the season overall, it's not good. The good news for the Anaheim Ducks is the Western Conference has been very very weird. I mean take a look at the Oilers, for example mm-hmm. make a coaching change, get on a roll. And then lose six, six, seven straight games. Great. Back to where you were in the first place. We mentioned Vancouver. They went on a horrendous losing streak. A lot of people thought, okay, yeah, we we knew this was going to happen. They're not going to make the playoffs. All of a sudden, they're in the playoff run again because Pedersen's back and Markstrom's playing well. And they got this Demco kid that had quite the debut against Buffalo. Yeah. so, so Vancouver, a team that's not expected to do well, is doing well and and in the playoff race. Um, even
1: the Blues have had some success of late, and they're not expected Jordan to do much. The Kings have been yeah. playing moderately better. Even they're the Blackhawks, do much. the Blackhawks, like beat the Capitals yesterday, eight to five. Yeah, scored
0: eight goals, and they have like Patrick yeah. Kane on pace for a career high one hundred eleven points. John and Jonathan Tays, on pace yeah. for career highs to bring it on pace for 41 goals and they're dead last in the conference right so if 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 we see all of that um and we see teams like minnesota and dallas struggling to hang on for dear life to anything um and and you even look at strong teams like winnipeg that are doing good despite scoring slumps from patrick liney right um anything can happen in the Western conference. So nothing, t- nothing says that uh, the ducks are out of it. The ducks are still in it. Yeah. But if they don't stop the bleeding soon, they will be out of
1: it. Yeah. I think this, the crazy thing is, yeah, they're definitely not out of it. Just, I think the crazy thing is, is that because like 12 losing 12 games in a row, like losing 10 games in a row is a lot. And that's like, that's rare, but like losing 12 straight in a row, um, is insane to me um and there's like you know that would just like push you down to the bottom of the standings but yet they're like still like a point out of of the wild card spot uh just just seems kind of crazy to me um in that respect um but yeah no i agree with you on all your other points um i think uh another thing that we didn't really talk about was ryan kessler um yeah, sure. He's been good on the face-off, and I know he's injured right now, so he can't really talk about it. But like he, um, and like he started off really strong. I think he had like a goal in his first game back, um, and then uh, he had a couple of assists here and there. But like after that, it wasn't um, it wasn't anything to to write home about. Um, Do you
0: think the wear
1: and tear is catching up with him? Yeah. I mean, like we talked about this, I think we talked about this last week when we were talking about Simmons and Lucic and all those guys. But like, he's another one of those power forwards who, by the way, he has six points in 44 games. So I was trying to find that. Really yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we talked about that like beforehand where he was like, he used to be like one of the most intimidating guys on the ice and now it seems like he's just so slow that he can barely keep up with anyone, uh, that he can't even in- intimidate anyone anymore. Uh, just because his skating hasn't been as good, and and maybe that has something to do with his injury. Um, he he had like a he missed the entire year last year, um, or almost the entire year. And then when he was back last year, he wasn't as good. Um, and the same can be said for this year as well. So I kind of do what like he seemed to be the spark plug back when the Ducks were good um, a couple yeah. years ago, like really good. So uh, I, I, I am kind of worried about um, just long term. Like, I feel like the Ducks are going to need to find a replacement for him um, in the lineup, um, especially <laughs> considering he's, I think he's like making like eight million dollars per year. So, um, for another three years or something like that. So, uh, it's not like he can, you can easily trade him either. So, um, they're kind of stuck with him for the time being. Um, the other Just guy,
0: like they're stuck with, uh, Corey Perry and his injury. Uh, Corey roles, Perry's another one. Healthy, yeah. scoring roles. Like, I mean, yeah. Corey Perry's kind of a uh, bad baggage too. In a yeah.
1: Way. Uh, Corey Perry is another one I was going to mention. I, Cam Fowler isn't as uh, old as those Kessler or Perry, obviously, but um, he hasn't. He's had two bad years. Again, he's he came back from injury, but um, even when he's been healthy this year, he hasn't been great. Um, so I think that's <coughs> that's part of it is that a lot of the guys that they rely on like Kessler and Perry, um, those guys haven't been as good as they, they're supposed to be. Of -hmm. course, like, uh, you have Gibson, you have Getzlav, Rick Hill at times. So like you have those guys that you can build around. Um, and those guys have been very good. Um, has been good in spurts as well. So, there's that as well but um yeah it, it seems like um that's a big part of it is that they they still they're missing that guy um and perry and kessler aren't who we who they once were and i think that's a big issue with them uh long term
0: yeah and, and and i think we've mentioned this in season previews past i think we mentioned yeah. it this year where ages have, yeah. is starting to catch up with them in a yeah. in a division particularly, that's getting younger and faster. I mean, Calgary, In a
1: league, not just a division. San Jose,
0: Vegas, all of them, I think are faster than the ducks. Yeah.
1: And it's not just the division, but like the entire league is getting faster. It's yeah. so it's not just, it's not just, you know, them in perspective of their, uh, their team, you know, their division or conference. It's really just the, the league as a whole has gotten faster and younger in general. Um, But, I mean, but at the same time, kudos to Ryan Getzlav. He's been their, like, only good player. Um, 32 points in 44 games. I mean, obviously, that's not, like, groundbreaking or anything, but that's better than that can be said than anyone else. So, good for him. But, um, and Gibson has been phenomenal, too, um, in stretches, but, like, he can only do so much.
0: Tough stretch uh, with the. With the goals against average going right. up, his state percentage is still 9.21. That's still damn impressive.
1: Um, yeah, he's he should be um in the uh Vezina conversation, uh, yeah. conversation. Um, however, his win loss record is probably uh, gonna keep him from actually winning it. But um, yeah, no, he should uh, he should still be there. Just considering how bad the rest of this team is playing. Um, so so there's that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like I am kind of worried about the ducks at the moment. Um, especially it's just, uh, I, I love Raquel. I think he's, uh, he's like one of the more underrated players out there. Um, he consistently got 30 goals. It's hard to really judge him now, though, considering he's gotten injured. So, um, so even if he could get like 25 or 27 or something like that, I'd be fine with that. But um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I think there'll still be, I think they won't make the playoffs, um, but they will, um, yeah, they won't make the playoffs, but they won't be a lottery team either.
0: Yeah, they're, they're one of those teams that, is maybe good enough to make the playoffs but not too much else or a good enough team to not make the playoffs but not really get a lottery pick. I mean, they would have to hit the mother load the, the luckiest draft lottery ever to get like uh, someone like Jack Hughes um so yep. I, I, I it, it's happened before with teams like Philadelphia and Dallas and New Jersey, you know, that lottery where, they were outside the top five and all three of them got a top three picks. So not not to say that if Anon does make the playoffs, they'll be, you know, getting a, a surprise pick they weren't expecting. But still at the end of the day, um, I, I don't think this is a team that's gonna be hitting the rebuild button at least right away. Yeah. But if this continues in a couple of years, they might not have a choice. I mean, yeah. obviously you'll have Gibson there, but every everyone else is, is is absolutely 100% on the market.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that they can build off of like the prospects that they have. Like They can build off of Sam Steele, Max Jones, Troy yeah. Terry, um, even the guy that they got this year, Isaac Lundestrom, I think his name is. Um, yeah. So they can build off of those guys. They also have like a good young core of defensemen in uh, Hampus Lindholm, Cam Fowler, um, and uh, what's-his-face? Um, I'm blanking on the other defensemen they have, but uh, Hampus Lindholm. Brandon Montour. Oh no, I oh, said Hampus Montour, Lindholm. Yeah. He's Montour. actually been their highest scoring defenseman this yeah, year. Yeah, Montour, Lindholm, uh, Fowler, and Manson has been a pretty good shutdown guy too. So yeah, um, so yeah, those four. That's a nice core decor. Um, but I think they they need to figure out a way to uh, combat uh. Perry and Kessler's downfall somehow. Um, yeah, I think am not I sure think how they Com-Twa do Comtois could help with that because as saw in the know. World Juniors, he's a guy that can
0: score goals. Yeah. but he's a guy that also can antagonize the other team a little
2: bit.
1: Yeah, Comtois is another one. Max Jones, I think, has a little bit of that aggressiveness as well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's true. Um, Comtois is another one, but um, yeah. So, we'll see. I guess they're just a work in progress. Um, it's one of those things that we'll see. Um, it's hard to really say. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they uh, are in a-, a lottery position So um, and just mm-hmm. miss it. Um, the I w- good news
0: is, is that uh, John Gibson has looked well in his last two outings. He's stopped 66 yep. of 68 shots. Their penalty kill's been good. Um, they've also been in the top ten when it comes to – hits and block shots which they weren't um before um during their slide and and even the season entirely they they weren't that hard-nosed team but it seems that they are that hard-nosed team a bit now and they're starting to get results um but you know you, you get shut up by the Islanders and you only get like like not even 25 shots on goal <laughs>
1: yeah
0: uh yeah, that, that that kind of plants the It's out, and you're just like, oh, maybe they're not going to make it
1: after all. Right. That makes me wonder, like, maybe that's a more of a coaching thing. Like, all of a sudden, they're just... Although, I guess they were playing in a back-to-back, so I guess maybe that was the excuse. True, um, true. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, they are, they are our first team we're going to talk about in their are they for real uh, section. Uh, they are 31-15-2, first in the Central Division. Um, they've actually been playing, they've been pretty good. Uh, even though we talk about Patrick Line a lot, um, and Connor Hellebuck, I've mentioned a couple times, um, who've struggled this year. They're still, like, one of the best teams in the league um Blake Wheeler has have is having a phenomenal year as always 61 points in 48 games uh Mark should also
0: mention he doesn't even have 10 goals on the year so practically all of those are assists like he's got over 50
1: now well he has nine goals that's almost 10 but yeah you're right it's he has 52 assists yeah um Mark Shifley is has been great too uh even better in, in times uh just yeah like like if you look at twenty five goals thirty three assists
0: wheeler has only scored like nine goals on the yeah. year but he has more shots than Shifley. Yeah. and Shifley still has twenty five goals.
1: Right. But the thing is with, with Wheeler is that he's never he's always been in a, a playmaker than a like an, Yeah a sniper. he's more a playmaker
2: and you're right Shifley's more of a finisher.
1: Right, but you're right. In terms of the shots on goal uh Blake Wheeler has more shots um in general but yeah, they've they've been fantastic. So has Kyle Connor. Uh yeah. he, he has 19 goals, 19 assists. Um, um and then we were, we'll talk about Patrick Line. Even though he has struggled, um he still has like 25 goals um and nine assists. Um that that is a little concerning, but I feel like that plays more into the fact that like Um, more about his, that says more about his play style than his, than his actual ability. Um, It's not like, you know, he, he's more of a sniper. He, he just shoots goals. You know, he's not gonna, he's never like Wheeler. He's, um, you know, I guess the opposite of Wheeler, but line is always going to get you uh, goals. He's not like his, his specialty isn't necessarily assist. Um, but I think that has something to do with the fact that, like, Brian Little and Nikolai Ehlers are his, like, line linemates. Um, so that, that has partly to do with it. Uh, not to knock those two, though, because Little has 29 points in 48 games. 11 of those are goals. Um, Nikolai, yeah, and,
0: and Little's actually gone on a bit of a hot streak lately. Yeah. He's also been hurt, so his line mates have been changing a True. little bit.
1: Um and then Brian, uh Nikolai Ellers has uh in 40 games he's played uh he has 27 points, 15 of those are goals. Uh, Dustin Bufflin. I think there was reports that he's going to be back this week. I think, or, or at least maybe after the All Star break. So, but he's been good when healthy. 29 points in 32 games. That's that's amazing four of them goals, but, you know, it's not a big deal if you're a defenseman, uh, J- uh Josh Morrissey, 26 points in 46 games, Jacob Truva has 23 points, um, not, not bad, i um, at this stage, uh, Brandon Tanev, um, has kind of been, uh, he's only gotten, like, 14 minutes, uh, 14 minutes of ice time, and he still has 20, on average, by the way, uh, and he has 20 points in that in that time frame. So that's very impressive. Matthew Perreault, um, 19 points. Adam Lowry has 14 points. Tyler Myers has 13 points. So I could just go down the list here. Uh, Brandon Lemieux has uh, been picking it up. He has six goals. Um, but I think like four of them have been this month. Yeah, I uh, took like a deeper dive into his stats.
0: Three goals and seven shots over his last
2: two games.
1: Yeah. So anyways, the point is all that like they have like sure they have a lot of great guys up front in Shifley, Wheeler, um and even Line a and uh, Kyle Connor, but like they have an amazing depth too. Um they have really good depth too. Um and like the impressive thing is is that even though Ellers and Line a, um, and we'll talk about Hellebuck in a second, but like those guys have been struggling and not what we're used to. But they're still in first place. They still have like Blake Wheeler's and Mark Shifley are still amazing guys. Kyle Connor as well. So, um, so they're still like able to uh, come. I don't know if combat's the right word, but they're still able to be successful even when Patrick Linea and Hellebuck and their especially specifically their starting goaltender. Um, hasn't been as good as we uh, expect, them, expect them to be. Um, speaking of Hellebuck, he is 21-14-1, so he has a great uh, win-loss record, but his save percentage is at a nine ten, um, and his GAA is 2.85. What's uh, He's been outperformed by his backup, who's only played 12 games. Um, he's Laurent Brossois, um I believe yeah, that was wasn't
0: really much of a capable backup before
1: yeah, this year. Yeah. It's true. Um and uh but the thing is is he's only played 12 games. Um, in those 12 games, he's 10-1-1 uh with a 943 save percentage and a 2.01 GAA. Um so this kind of just calls for like I kind of wonder why um I understand why you would keep on bringing in Connor Hellebuck especially considering he he was very good last year and, you know, was a Vesna finalist and all. But even still, like, Boursois has been amazing. Um, I would just ride the hot hand and just play him until um, until Hellebuck figures stuff out. Um, I almost wonder if Hellebuck's playing injured because this seems kind of unusual. I mean, I know that he struggled um, in his second year, but... This seems kind of unusual that he's struggling this much. Like I would expect him to regress a little bit, but not like, like I think he's like last year he had like a nine twenty six save percentage, and now he has a nine ten. Um, so that seems kind of um, you a nine twenty four, save percentage, but um, you know that seems kind of like a like such a drastic change in his performance. And I kind of wonder, uh, maybe there is some, like he is actually playing injured um, and all that stuff. So I don't know. Or maybe it's just that they're overplaying him um, and they should give him more rest. That, that gives them more reason to just give him more rest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think all those points you addressed are pretty much the points that I was going to address. Shifley and Wheeler are absolute beasts. Um, they have depth scoring. Guys like um, Patrick Laine and Connor Hellebuck haven't really played to their full capabilities, and yet this team is still one of the best in their division, one of the best in the entire conference. They're the top three team in the league, top 10 in goals, power play over 26%. When trailing after one, they're 7-8-0, which isn't all that bad. Um, They have just as many one-goal wins as they do when they win by three or more goals, so they can win in so many different ways. Um, third highest scoring team in the league in the third period Uh, Bersua has been great Um, you know depth guys like Brandon Tanev 11 goals, Brian Little 11 goals so just think of how good this team is when everyone is pulling the rope in the same direction when everyone is healthy, when everyone is contributing this team has not reached their full potential yet and when they do they're going to be very scary and very fun to
1: watch. You know, it's they kind of remind me of the uh, the Capitals last year because like because yeah. like Ove- yeah, they do. Um, Ovechkin wasn't. I mean, actually, Ovechkin did have a pretty good season last year, but um, the like you know, Braden Holt. I I guess it's more just the Braden Holtby comparison where Holtby
0: <laughs> and
1: Hellebuck, yeah, Holtby like had to have Grubauer kind of bail him out towards the end of the season. And all that stuff and then he just got together during the playoffs um and I think I mean over the time I guess Ovechkin has kind of uh struggled in, during the season and people are starting to worry about them much like they are for Patrick line um so I I kind of I think that comparable fits but uh, Ovechkin didn't really struggle last year so um, it's tough to say that exactly but I kind of feel like they're like the all of them at a whole, like, yeah, they're winning games and they're still, like, top three uh, best teams in the league. But at the same time, they're kind of, like, holding their energy. They're just, like, waiting for the playoffs to actually get going, um, which I find kind of scary. Like,
0: um, I feel like they should uh, heed your advice a, a little bit when it comes to playing Bressois a bit more. Yep. I mean – play him but not play him too much because it could turn into the Halak situation where if you play him too much then maybe overwork him and then he starts to revert back to the old Yaroslav Halak that um, is letting a bunch of cheap goals in.
1: Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. Um, I I think it's it's hard. I think
0: they're using Bersua well at the moment.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I... I yeah I see what you mean, but I th- like that he does have potential just because of what um what went through in Edmonton um mm-hmm. but at the same time like I don't know if like I feel like all goalies except for I guess there's a few exceptions but all goalies struggle a bit um like Lauren – like, pros- if,
0: you, if you give him the extra game if you yeah. give heiback an extra couple of days rest in between then that's fine. But, like, consecutive starts, like, three or four in a row, yeah. I might hesitate
1: there. But, like, Boursois only played 28 games in his four years in Edmonton. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like he was given a ton of um, rope there in Edmonton in True. the first place. And, and
0: like we've mentioned so, on the show before, yeah. Edmonton versus Winnipeg, Winnipeg has
1: better defense. And and that, that was the second point I was going to make. It's like Winnipeg has a better defense, so... Um, and I, I feel like he's earned his right to play more games, but I do, I do hear what you're saying that we, they should also be careful with how they use him, um, mm-hmm. in terms of that stuff. So yeah, I guess that, that is a fair point. Um, yeah. all right, let's go to our second team, uh, Carolina, uh, they are 23, 20, and five. Uh, Sach- Sebastian Ajo is their, their star player, he has 54 points in 48 games, uh, 21 goals, uh, and 33 assists. Uh, Tuvo Taravainen has kind of been his line mate um, until recently, uh, which we'll get to in the rapid fire. But um, he has uh, 39 points in 48 games. Um, the other guy to talk about, because he's been the third guy on that on that line for most of the time, uh, is Michael Furland, um, who has 25 points in 40 games. Um, Justin Williams, another guy to talk about 27 points in 48 games. Andrei Seveshnikov has, uh, has, hasn't necessarily gotten a ton of ice time, but when he has been on the ice, he has 22 points in 48 games. So that's not bad um, considering his ice time. Jacob Slavin has 21 points. Um, Justin Falk has 17 points. Uh, Dougie Hamilton has 16. Um, Brett Pesci has 11 points. Um, Calvin DeHaan has 10. Um, So they have a bunch of different defensemen. Um, Let's see, other players to talk about. Um, Jordan Martinuk has 13 points uh Lucas Walmart I think he had like two goals last um yesterday um he had 17 points overall though um this is all from 48 games by the way um so there's that and then on the goalie side you have uh Curtis mcney who is injured at the moment but he uh he's 11 six and one with a 2.5 gaa and a percentage of 914. Peter Morazic has been playing more games, um, but it hasn't been as impressive. Um, he's 10, 10 and two with a two point eight GAA and a save percentage of eight ninety five. And then we have uh, Scott Gar- Darling, who only played eight games, and he's now in a- the AHL um, for Charlotte, um, but he went two four and two in Carolina with a eight eight four save percentage. So. Um, I think that's the big thing is, is that they clearly have, um, oh, I guess Nino Ninerreiter is another guy to talk about. He has two goals in the two games he's played, which we'll talk about in a second, um, in our rapid fire. But, um, the, um, like the thing is, is that they, they seem to, they have a lot of great forwards, especially Aho and Teravainen. um. And then they have a lot of good defensemen in Fall Hamilton, um, and even Slavin, um, Slavin, I guess it's Slavin, um, but like, they don't have a ton of depth, um, they're, they're missing the loss of Jeff Skinner, uh, Noah Hannafin, and Jeff, um, and what's his face, Elias Lindholm, um, like, they kind of need those guys, um, and they don't have them, I guess... I'm previewing our rapid fire item, uh, but um, I guess Nino and Iterider helps that f- those two losses because they never actually addressed that. Um, they just assumed that Svechnikov was going to make the like a bigger leap than he has. But that's still not great because you know you lost Lindholm and Skinner. Like it would be it would be a big loss yeah, if you lost one guys of them. Are killing it on their new yeah, team exactly. Right, right, and it's it, so it it's gotta hurt them that way, um, especially also Bill Peters has been really good in Calgary as well. So yeah. they kind of like, you know, they fired their coach, they got rid of like two guys that are like who have been kind of inconsistent, and then when they trade them to another team, they're like all of a sudden the best players in the league. Um, so. So there's that, too, that, that's that got to hurt them. Um, so they do need to get some more forward depth. I'm not sure if uh, Furland and Niederreiter are enough for them. I know Furland's asking for a lot of money, so I'm, I'm not sure if he's the answer. But I think their big question mark is their goaltending. Um, like, down the stretch, is Curtis McElhaney going to bring you to the playoffs like, do you have any hopes for that? Uh, or, like, Peter Murasek, do you have any hopes that he's going to, like, carry this team into the playoffs when Aho and Teravainen are struggling? Um, that, I'm not sure. So, I feel like this team runs by Sebastian Aho and, and Um And when those two are struggling, like, the team struggles a lot. So, I think that's that's the key there is um how do you get a better supporting cast and i'm not sure it's there yet
0: yeah i think i think you once again uh, hit all the talking points there i mean you're looking at a bottom 10 team in goals for and yet they've shown in games versus the rangers and oilers this year um the oilers being the most recent they scored seven goals on them um that this team can score at will when they want to um But when you look at their special teams, both are in the bottom 10. Um, Like this is a team averaging over 40 shots per game at the start of the season when we first talked about them, down to 35.8 shots per game, but that's still tops in the league. Um, They average the most shots per game, the fewest shots. Yeah, they
1: shoot a lot. That's true.
0: Um, They're one of the most disciplined, one of the most physical, third fewest missed shots, most takeaways um only outshot 12 times this year and yet 10 of their losses have been by three or more goals i just can't explain that and and the i pin it down to a goaltending isn't up to snuff and b they're not cashing in enough like they're getting chances but you're not executing and this is a lowest one of the lowest scoring teams in the third period where um, you know, you see teams like Winnipeg, you see teams like even Ottawa uh, start to get their offense going. Like, there there are a lot of good third-period teams in this league. Um, and, you know, if you're not building up chances, if you're not building up goals before the third period, you're just basically hoping that you have enough offense before a third period comes around. You're just hanging on for dear life, hanging on to that lead. It just doesn't work like that. Right. Um, like you said, McElhinney has been decent, Morazic, not so much. Um, Furlan's asking for over $5 million based on what I've been hearing. I, yep. I don't trust that, especially if it's over 6 million. Uh, you look at Justin Williams, he's cooled off. Uh, you look at Sebastian Ajo, he's been great, but he's got like 15 more points than Tara Bynum does and yep. Tara Bynum's their second leading scorer. And now you hear Dougie Hamilton might be trade bait, the guy who you brought in and traded
2: or Elias Justin Lindholm for,
0: yeah. and now Elias Lindholm is tearing it up with the Calgary Flames as a top line guy. Right. Um and you look at even Justin Falk. Now they're Justin Falk or Dougie Hamilton of 20 points on the season yet. Yep. Um, there are just so many question marks on this team beyond scoring, beyond goaltending, even on defense. There are a couple of question marks and and like we're going to mention the rapid fire, yeah. If you get Nieder, right you get Niederreiter in your team, big whoop. That's not going to fix your problems.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I feel like they're going to make a trade uh, to move Ferland, um, but I think they're definitely hurt by the factor of that Calgary trade um, and that Buffalo trade um, in the offseason. Yeah, opposition. like
0: they tra- they traded away two top six forwards that yep. they need right
1: now. Yeah. And I, and I think, like, and they never addressed it in the, um, afterwards. Um, yeah. Nina Ryder should help them though. I mean, I guess we're <laughs> going into the rapid fire, but like at the, like, uh, but at the same time, like Nina Ryder wasn't necessarily doing great in Minnesota. Um, so I don't know if it's, it's going to like make up for the loss of Skinner and Elias Lindholm, um, or, or Noah Anafin, but um, at the same time there you know, there is something to that. Um, I guess what they were thinking was is that like Zykov and Fogel, those guy and uh, Svechnikov were gonna like be able to replace them. Um, but it doesn't seem like any of them which is fine i guess cuz you know especially Sveshnikov cuz it yeah, does...
2: Sveshnikov's a rookie like yeah, yeah. Work you did is pretty good but i mean you, don't you did seem pretty the, the... good moving in the sun out
1: of him right right it's it is tough to uh like i feel like that is putting too much pressure on him like it would be like if you uh if if the sabers traded like Rasmus Ristolainen um when they drafted D'Alene it's like no, it's going to take some time for Darlene to be a, a player. And he has been pretty good in, in Buffalo, of course. But it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's these things take time. It's sure, Sveshnikov has all the potential in the world to be um better than Jeff Skinner or Elias Lindholm. But at the same time, that's not going to happen overnight. So I think that that was the mistake by them. I mean I don't think anyone really expected Elias Lindholm to be this good when they trade in, in Calgary. Um I think Bradshaw he, Living did. Yeah, Bradshaw living, living did. True. Uh I think we did, we predicted Jeff Skinner to be uh pretty good cuz he's he's low key he was one of the best players um like uh, for a couple of years now like he's consistently a 20 goal scorer. Um and now he has 30 goals for Buffalo. So Um, So I think that was a mistake in that regard, because at least for the Calgary trade, they got someone like Dougie Hamilton and Ferland, who both haven't been terrible. But like Buffalo, they just got a prospect and a draft pick. That's like, that's like nothing. So uh, they can't, that doesn't help them at all now. Um, So that's, that's a, that's a big thing to, uh, that's a huge miss on their part. Uh, Just the Jeff Skinner trade overall. Um, Having said that, that takes us... So I I think we're both in agreement that they're both... They're going to probably miss the playoffs, right?
0: Yeah, I... Unless they get better at goaltending, and unless they get another top six forward, I don't even consider them to be a playoff team.
1: Yeah, I think they'll probably trade Justin Falk, I would guess one of Fulker, um,
0: hamilton one of them yeah,
1: going to to get another forward um they may i was hearing rumors that they because of Furland's asking price that they may try to trade Furland. um yeah. so so maybe there there's going to be some takers for that so I, I i don't think they're done yet in terms of trades um but let's go to the rapid fire cuz i am actually i do actually like this trade for uh carolina uh yeah. they traded uh Victor Rask to Minnesota for Nino Niederreiter uh Niteriter had 23 points in 46 games for Minnesota but like he was only he was like on the third line sometimes he was on the fourth line but this is a guy who had uh 25 goals um in 2016 2017 um he was injured last year but he had like he still was, was half a point uh he still had half a point per game Um, for, uh, he had 32 points in 63 games. So, um, and then he had, uh, 43 points in, um, in 80, in 82 games, um, in 2015. Um, so he's like, and he's also like really good on four checks and all the defensive sides of the game. He's comparable to like a Bergeron or, um, Barkov in terms of defensive, two way forwards um he's one he's up there um for sure it's I mean it's a little different considering that he's like a he's a winger um because those don't really get awarded for their defensive abilities but that needed to be said that he's he's very good on the defensive side of things as well and he has the potential to score points which he did uh in the last game where he uh he had two goals in a row um, in the first period, I think like one of the goals was in like the first 38 seconds. So if you compare him with S- Sebastian Ajo, um, and I think Tara Vinen, I think it would make sense. I forget. I think he's Nino's a left winger, right?
0: Um, I don't know what side he plays on, but yeah, he's not a center. That okay.
1: Um I know Ajo is playing center now. So I I, th- I think you could have a line of Aho, Nino and a- uh Vinan, um which would be kind of a nice lineup. But then it's like who else would you have on your second line? Yeah, um, I believe you know. I
0: believe Nino is actually paired with uh, Aho and Williams,
1: Justin Williams. Right. Okay. So all right. I mean that's not bad either. Um,
0: yeah, then, and then they put uh, Ajo, uh no, then they put Taravainen with, uh, with Walmark and Ferlin
1: Oh, okay, interesting Yeah, so, so there's that um, There's that um, Kind of um, Thing, so like he definitely Has the potential to be um, Like a key, play, key Role player for them um, in the coming uh in the coming seasons because so I think he uh he has like he has three more years left on his contract or something like that.
0: Yeah, so he's in year two of a five-year deal. He signed with Minnesota. Um, the the most expensive is this year at six point oh seven five. Yeah. Uh, year three gets five point eight five. Year four four point two five, and then the final year five point four seven five. So after this year, he got three more years. Um, there's n- there isn't a no trade attached to it. And it should also be noted that there was a no trade attached to Victor Rask's contract. Yep. But it hadn't kicked in at the time of the deal. And Minnesota had the chance to nuke it, which they did.
1: Yeah, we so have a no awesome. trade for
0: Victor Rask is gone now.
1: Got it. Um yeah, we'll talk about Victor Rask in a second. I should also mention that like um that like in Minnesota, Nino had or like this year. Particularly, he had 14 minutes of ice time on average. um, well, and
0: it's, and it's fine. um Are we talking about Niederreiter still?
1: I am, yeah. And I'll, we'll talk about Victor in a second. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I,
0: was, I was about to say that in his final game with the Wild, he didn't even play 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was he was basically Minnesota's Kovalchuk. He was getting paid upwards of $5 million a year, playing yep. on the fourth line, not getting much chances to do
1: anything. Right, yeah, he had nine minutes. But, he, like, overall, he had 14 minutes of ice time. <laughs> Um, but yeah. like, even still like in that nine minutes of uh, like, you mentioned that in his last game in Minnesota, he had a goal in that, in that game. <laughs> it's like, there you go. um, um, so that, that's like the crazy thing. And he had four shots in that game too. So he, it wasn't like he was playing badly, even given the, the nine minutes of ice time. Um, so far, I know it's a, definitely a small sample size, but. He's been given, uh, 60 minutes of ice time and 50 minutes of ice time. And, um, and the most amount of ice time that Nino has had, um, was in 2015, 20, uh, 15, where he had 15 minutes and 33 seconds of average ice time. So it's like, he's already, he already has more ice time. So I think that's like, Nino has the most potential to, uh, be pretty good because, you know, he's... Um, he usually has around 15 minutes of ice time and yet he still has like he puts up like 30 points per game you know per season uh, around that around that mark so I feel like he has definite a uh, chance to be given more ice time he can uh be very successful especially if he's on ajo's line or Tara Vinan's line um even mm-hmm. so I, I, I mean- think there's something if, to that
0: yeah if you look at uh, victor rask i yeah, mean we'll talk about victor uh, i think rask, his yeah. career high was like 45 points yeah um and like that's usually what nita rider averages like yeah. anywhere between 30 to 40 points is 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 around the career high that uh victor rask has had in his career and i mean yeah you look at nita rider's best year he had 14 power play points, 25 goals, 57 points in 82 games, 186 shots on goal. Um, even though he had like 23 points with the Wild this year, he had eight power play points. Yep. Um, he had seven power play goals last year uh, and eight power play goals the year before that. So so like you said, Nita Ryder is, is one of those guys that, you know, if you put on a meaningful top six line, uh, he can do some damage for you. And, and the Hockey News was kind enough to point out that in in, in some of uh, the other categories, uh, since the start of 2016-17, when you compare Niederreiter and Rask, Niederreiter has outdone Rask in course percentage, shots percentage, goals percentage, scoring chance percentage, high-danger chance percentage, and he actually has a lower offensive zone start percentage than Rask over that time. Yep. So when you look at that on the surface, it's just like, yeah, Victor Rask's a good player. But
1: Nino Rider's better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think uh, there there was something on Nash Natural Stat or something that had uh, that gave like the did a player by player and like Nino, uh, like uh, was had like better statistics like Corsi percentage. Um, I think there was like PDO, um, all those different statistics, and um, it seemed like. Uh, yeah, it it seemed like a no brainer for for Carolina to make this move. Uh Victor Rafa was it was just a case of like
0: dumping salary. Yeah. And you know, making it expensive to sign, you know, a couple of other guys. But it's, like for for a guy that you thought was gonna be a, a key piece, you know, he goes he goes from, you know, being a key piece to a fourth line guy, not even getting ten minutes a game against yeah. LA. And and basically You just trade him in a one for one. Like I know you got him in pretty much a one for one with the Islanders and you sold low on him, but um I think they I think Minnesota kinda undervalued I think they could have gotten a lot more than just Victor Rask. Yeah, I agree. Maybe not a lot more, but at least something else.
1: Yeah. Um even like a third round pick. Yeah, for sure. Uh Victor Rask, uh speaking of which he had forty uh his his highest season was forty eight points. Uh, when he was 22 years old, um, in Carolina. Uh, but yeah, he hasn't necessarily replicated that since, especially the last two seasons. Um, he has seven points in 27 games this year. Um, last year he had 31 points in 71 games. I remember he was like, um, I think he, uh, he was healthy scratched for a couple of games um last year so yeah. um so it may have been like a, a kind of a situation where it's like we're sick like Carolina's sick of Victor Rask and Minnesota's sick of Nino Nitterer so then let's trade each other's problems yeah. to each other kind of yeah, to get a chance in, in need of a fresh start yeah. basically yeah. Uh, uh Victor Rask did get an assist in his first game um with the Wild um we'll see if it continues um, but, uh, so far, I think, I think we can, I mean, it. I hate giving the award to like who won the trade when it just happened, but I think, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, Carolina won this trade. Cause you're right. Like if you're going to trade a guy like Nino Nitterreiter, um, I think you could get more than just Victor Rask, like maybe a draft pick or something like that. But um like, you know, Niterar is really good. Um, and like, not just like on the offensive side, like sure. Like he, he gets 30 points, which isn't terrible or anything, but he like, he is also like very defensive, re- defensively responsible and all that stuff. I guess my only guess is is that Minnesota felt like Jordan Greenway and Luke Coonan were ready to take more roles, Um, which would be my only guess. But then it's like, you should learn from what Carolina did where they traded Jeff Skinner um, because they thought their young guys were ready and they weren't ready. So, um, so that, that's, that's the big, um, the big question mark here is why why did minnesota do this um and i am not i don't really love this for minnesota
0: yeah I, there, there have been uh minnesota is one of those teams like uh the ducks where they're they're kind of just like they're good but they're not great right Like, even if they go to the playoffs, they're probably going to be a first-round exit again. That's, I think, the personification of Minnesota, and not just because Bruce Boudreaux can't get by the first round. Right. Um, It's – they're just in a really tough division, and, you know, as good as they are offensively and defensively on paper, and as good as Dubna can be, they they just seem to have trouble putting it together. And um, you you, you look at – Minnesota guess who they lost to the Ducks right the Ducks snapped their 12 game slide against Minnesota and I don't believe they scored a goal and that was following the Niederreiter trade so um it, it, it was just one of those it, it's just one of those situations in, in Minnesota where it, you're just looking from within and, and you're just wondering what the future of this team is going to be but uh it 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 it, for them it was just dumping salary but i think in 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 doing so they kind of lost value as to you know what nita ryder's a good player we probably could have gotten more for him maybe like you know a pro B prospect or a pick even like not even a first round pick like just a second or a third maybe but
2: because
0: because like they're, they're paying nito good money and i think he deserves it and i think he'll Proved to be a worthy investment for Carolina, and they can afford to pay him. I mean, they, they have a lot of short-term guys on their team that they're starting to figure out who to keep and who to sign. And one of the guys that they ended up signing was a guy that uh, we also mentioned, Tibu uh, Teravainen. And, and this news just broke before we yeah. went on uh, the show. So, Brett, you have uh, the numbers in front of you. I,
1: I do. Uh, what yeah. Did, uh,
0: they what did uh, what did Carolina give uh, to Mr. Teravainen?
1: Yeah, he has. Uh, according to Pierre LeBrun, uh, they gave uh, Tara Teravainen a five-year extension worth four five point four million annual average value. I like this for Carolina. Uh, he's uh, he's clearly their second best player. Um, he's twenty four years old, so you have him for his like most of his prime. Um, and, you know, he has thirty nine points at the moment in forty eight games. So he's he's working on a breakout year. Um he had sixty four points last year, so it's not like it's unheard of or like this is gonna be a flash in the pan for him um this year or like this isn't this is this his only good season. So he's had good seasons uh in years past. Um and especially since he's only twenty four years old, he's that just shows that he can he can he has some room to improve and Um, someone you can build your team around Um, obviously you build your team more around uh, Sebastian Ajo um, but um, it it does seem like they uh, like those are two guys that you should build your team around uh, in particular Um, Yeah, what do you think? Um,
0: Well I I might save some of my analysis to next week uh, if we get more information especially but um, just based on what I do know it's not that big of a surprise that they did this especially when you consider that you know they're looking at uh, some of the forwards that they have and are just like okay what are we going to do with this guy or this guy or this guy and right. obviously the next big fish they have to sign sebastian Ajo. and that will get done at some point because he's an rfa and the urgency yep. of time isn't as big as terra Vanin. so the fact they get this out of the way is basically one step closer to re-signing sebastian Ajo, one step closer to realizing okay who is going to be on our team moving forward. And Tara Vanen is a good top six forward. that will get you a decent amount of power play points, but he alone cannot save this team. Yep. So um, that in a nutshell is what I have. I'll probably have more next week uh, if I have more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in, in a nutshell, I'm not surprised that Carolina didn't do this. They're yeah. keeping what they have. And um, if, if Tara Vanen can have some good uh, second line connections, then maybe... He plays less with Aho, uh, especially if Aho and uh, Niederreiter uh, continue uh, to develop and create more chemistry. They had a lot of chemistry sure. in the game against Edmonton, so we'll see where that goes. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where Teravainen fits in offensively uh, with the whole Niederreiter stuff.
1: But, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, time. I'm just looking at their cap space uh, or their cap friendly page right now. They, they
0: probably have the most money
1: to spend right now yeah it seems that Absolutely. way uh because well they have most of their defense core locked up but their three goalies are are all ufas or rfa if you're alex nadelchevich N- nadelchevich and he's um, their
0: goalie, of the future so they
2: probably keep him I they want
1: think. to keep him yeah but Murazik and mekelhani are ufas next year um Scott Darling, they have him buried in the AHL, so that doesn't count yet. If, um, if you look at uh, their fours for a
0: second, the only guy that has a longer term than Nita Rider and um, now Tara Vinan is Jordan Stahl, and he's hurt right now.
1: Right. Um. Oh, yeah, I forgot to include Jordan Stahl. But, like, yeah, I was going to say Justin Williams, uh, Jordan Martinuk, and Michael Ferlin are all UFAs. Um, and then that's not to mention Sebastian Aho, who you just mentioned are RFA, um, Brock McGang, Greg McKegg, um, that's a great name, um, they're RFAs, um, and then Saku Manalayan, um is an RFA as well, um, so, so they have a bunch of money to work with um, if they're going to pay... Sebastian Aho, but I have a feeling that they're going to be very busy in the off season because because of how much money they have in cap space and they really are only tied to like Sebastian Aho and Teravine and Anito Ryder at the moment. So I'm really
0: interested to see what uh, Caroline's gonna do it at the deadline yep. they're kind of a lot like Columbus where they could go all in yep. and get some big names or they could sell whatever assets they have and build from the ground up again
1: but. yeah I could see them it looks like a lot of their defense is like locked up long term So it's maybe...
0: mostly their forwards like Justin Williams and Michael Furland that I'm concerned about yeah um... and maybe their goalies
1: yeah but I feel like they're gonna try to trade Furland um, I feel like yeah. he's going to be a guy to trade. Um, but, yeah, I, I wonder if they they may start to trade one of, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but maybe they'll trade one of Hamilton, Slavin, or Falk because uh, I feel like they would get a ton of return out of that. But um, at the same time, I, I kind of like how they, those are all three players, good defensemen, um, on their team. So it's really just how you, you build towards them. Um, I would guess you would trade Justin Falk just because he's older of those three that I mentioned. But um, at the same time, it, it you know, Justin Falk's a good player too. So, um, he, you know, he brings this leadership and it's kind of like uh, he's been on the team for a long time now. So I don't know why you would uh, necessarily trade him. Um, for leadership reasons so i don't know
0: yeah and, and i guess the expectation was that dougie hamilton was going to be the number one defenseman they would trade justin falk, right but he hasn't really been any better than justin falk so i'm almost wondering if he's the odd man out for that reason
2: true um, that's it, it's,
0: it's quite a perplexing uh situation there if, you, if you're the hurricanes because you're not sure who's your top defenseman is yep. it falk is it hamilton we don't
1: know yeah no that's a good point uh, let's go to, to the rest of our rapid fire uh, injuries. Uh, Taylor Hall has been injured for a long time now, uh, but he is officially not going to make the all-star game. Um, he still has a lower body injury, but um, I figured we should mention that. Um, yeah, what's
0: interesting is that Kyle Mary gets in and Artemi Panarin does not. Yep. And if you if you take a look at uh, what uh, the Atlantic did when Price said, "Yeah, I'm going to be resting. I'm not going," they put a third Tampa Bay Lightning all-star in there. Right. They put Vasilevsky in instead of someone from the other teams. So why not put a third Columbus player in, especially when Panarin has arguably been Columbus's best player? I just don't get that. Um, when you look at what Taylor Hall means to the Devils, I found this tweet after Saturday. Taylor Hall will have missed 31% of Devils' games so far this season. New Jersey has scored 55.2% of the goals when Hall's been on the ice this year, 42.6% when he is not. It's been a bit better since he got hurt because of Blackwood's playing goal. So, once again, Taylor Hall has been the driving force of the Devils. When he's not on the ice, the Devils tend to not do. This so, great.
1: Yep. Um... I'm looking here. It looks like Mark Edward Vlasic will play on Monday. Um, oh, really? There's a chance.
0: He's in the IR though. That's weird. Um, well, he says does... he's
1: day to day. He's
0: been Forever. out since January second, so he's actually been out for a while. Yeah, um, he's missed uh eight games. Uh, what, what's yep. What's interesting about Vlasic though is that he has 11 points in 42 games. But if you look at his plus-minus rating, he's a minus-13. Yeah. Only had one minus season, and that was in his second year when he was a minus-12 in 82 games.
1: Yeah, he hasn't been very Mark Edward Blastic lately. Um, um, he hasn't been... You know, he's usually a good shutdown uh, defenseman, but he hasn't been that way. So I wonder if that injury has been affecting him all year. Um, and he, and now yeah. he's just like, oh, I guess I, like I should... I should actually uh, get this looked at. Um, in
0: fairness, uh, the Sharks have really kind of turned their season around since yeah. he's been hurt. So
1: true. Um, also, it looks like Eric Carlson is day to day with a lower body injury. I don't know yeah, how serious
0: know it he is. on Saturday.
1: Yeah, yeah I don't so, know how serious it is, but I figured it's worth a mention because well, uh, It's, he may it's play.
0: worth a it mention, especially considering the All Star game is next weekend
1: and it's true. in San Jose. So and he's playing. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Um, Malcolm Subban um, has been moved to injured reserve. It's an undisclosed injury. I I thought I saw that he was like um, he had like a flu or a sickness, but yeah. um, it looks like it's more serious than that because he's been on the yeah, it, he's it, it been says injured closed, for a while.
0: So we're not quite sure what it is. Yeah, and he's and he's played pretty good um, lately. Sixty uh, nine shots stopped, both wins. Yeah, so he didn't have a hot start, but he's. He's kind of giving. He's Marco been picking a it up.
1: Rest, yeah, no, know that's a good point. Um, that's all I have for injured stuff. I have a feeling that yeah. like these teams, because now it's like the time when buys are coming around and um, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So With I feel that, like teams are just they, the using this not a time long to one. recover. After
0: they play Arizona on Tuesday. They don't play until February first.
1: Yeah, the Bruins don't play at all this week. So um, there's that um yeah. no 2020 World Cup which is kind of sad because I did I did like that under 23 team um yeah. in uh 20 uh I think it was 2016 was it it was
0: 2016 they yeah. also had team Europe that went to the finals too yeah, Although, they, although I don't believe they're committed to bringing back those teams which in which case if if you're not gonna bring back team North America and team Europe you're kind of just basically... It's basically a miniature World Hockey Championship. World which Olympics, case, yeah. I'm I'm kind of turned off by that because yeah. the reason I was excited about the World Cup of Hockey is because they had those two new teams that no one yeah. had seen
1: before. And it was and it's probably going to be the only time McDavid and Matthews were on the same team, um, and guys like Goudreau and like uh, there was a lot of other pl- good players um, on that team. Eichel was on that team. Um so it's like uh
0: yeah and, and, and a good, I'm pretty sure McDavid and Matthews would still be eligible if the if the tournament was held in 2020. That's true. Uh
1: yeah, I think that's around that, that makes sense. But yeah, I I kind of wonder like I guess it's good news that they're deciding this right now cuz like, you know, that's when the strike's gonna that's gonna be when the lockout might happen. So it is kind of good that they're um A lease an agreement. So that's the plus side, but on the other side, it's like they're deciding not to do something. Um, so that also makes me wonder if maybe that means that they're going to try to go to China in 2022, if they're not going to have an international type event like this. Um, so, so that it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm hopefully optimistic about it, but, um, I'm cautiously optimistic, I should say. Yeah, I've I, not...
0: I, I read a couple of articles that have, have kind of given me a, a different vibes in a way. Like one article saying, you know, oh, try not to laugh out loud if the NHL says, oh, we're trying to grow the game globally yeah. and they cancel the World Cup of Hockey. Well, I'd rather them cancel the World Cup of Hockey if it means we don't have to go through another lockout. Right. Because that would be... We've had three labor disputes already, one of which has costed a full season. Like, this... Game has already had a bad brand already when it comes to labor disputes. Right. Better than cancel a labor dispute. This and then have all the players get locked out. So that's one thing. Second thing, I think the players would much rather go to the Olympics than play in this event. So I, I'm not quite sure what to think of them canceling the World Cup of Hockey. I'm, uh, And the fact that Bettman says... He didn't want to make this at anyone's hill to die on. He wasn't going to look for a fight in this regard. I, I think is good news. Yeah, because he's not trying to force feed something down someone's throat. Right. If if, if there if there are still complications, let's not talk about. It. Let's just put it on the shelf. Let's let's wait for another day to talk about. It. There are bigger issues. There are bigger fishes to fry here. So I I I I'm leaning more towards. Like you said, cautious, optimism, Then, oh my God, the sky is falling. There's gonna be another labor dispute. Yada yada yada.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I we'll we'll see. Um, all that stuff. Um, so we do have some time left. I don't know if we should talk about these stuff. Um, in too detail, too much detail, but um, yeah, we'll it is it is worth it is worth mentioning that Elias Pettersson um returned um he, i think he scored on his in his game back um, yeah he
0: got actually a goal and an assist in his return against Detroit on sunday yeah.
1: so they're they're looking pretty good um he's kind of become a McDavid of sorts where like they kind of like Canucks kind of need him um like they're atrocious when when he's out of the lineup but then when he's back in the lineup he, they're really good uh, Tr- Vincent Trocek I remember back when the injury happened I thought he, it was ridiculous to think that he was going to be um, that I thought he was going to be out for the year yeah um, you and me
0: both I thought both of us I uh, was I like incredulous
1: I was incredulous to thinking that he would even return um, yeah. yeah but he came back and not only that but like he scored a goal he had a couple of assists um, so um, so yeah he's he's back um
0: yeah, he has um in his debut uh or not his debut, his return after 27 games out, one assist, one block, three shots, seven hits, eighteen minutes, twelve seconds, time on ice. Uh the next game gets the eventual game-winning goal against Nashville, two points, three shots, twenty-two minutes and three seconds of time on ice. And, and in his return, he faced Toronto. So he faced two really good teams, got three points in two games, yep. and looked like he never left. That's yep. pretty spectacular.
1: It is nice, yeah. Uh, Colin Miller is also back. I um, know, obviously, he's not as um, exciting as the other two we just talked about. But Colin Miller did have two assists um, in his uh, return back. Um, so, so that's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, no uh, – I'm sure Vegas needs them. I think they're still missing a couple of key players, but um, at least their defense is intact, or the, the three of
0: them. Riley Smith is day to day, but I think defensively, this is the healthiest they've looked this yeah.
1: year, which is good. I was about to say, at least they have uh, Colin Miller, Nate Schmidt, and Shea Theodore all healthy at the same time. So that's. Exactly. Um, and but Schmidt isn't. Yeah, yeah and, and suspended, yeah. Um, Also, uh, it looks like Corey Schneider is uh, going on a conditioning stint in the AHL in Binghamton, um, and he's going to be called up pretty soon. But that means that Mackenzie Blackwood is going to be sent down to the minors. Um, I don't like this move, really. I know Blackwood has kind of struggled since he came back, but um, I feel like you should, like, at least, like, I understand why you want to keep Schneider up. Um, and maybe you don't want to put, uh, Kincaid on waivers, but at the same time, it seemed like Blackwood was looking pretty good, um, still. So I, I wonder why they did this. I know the Devils are on a buy at the moment, so maybe, uh, they're going to call him up in due time, um, eventually, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand why they sent him down to the minors.
2: I
0: think maybe what they're going to do is they're going to send, they send both of them down. uh, Both of them gets an equal amount of workload and then they recall Blackwood and keep Schneider down. That's what they should do because Corey Schneider, A needs playing time, B needs confidence, C needs wins. He had none of that really when he was healthy. So I think just getting him on a day-to-day workload, giving him, some action in-game action getting him some confidence is what the devils need to do and you can afford to send Mackenzie blackwood down again you cannot afford to send Corey schneider down because then he probably have to go through waivers true true so i think they really need to make this a one-shot deal they need to take advantage of this one shot Corey schneider needs playing time he needs confidence he'll get that in the ahl I don't think he's going to get that in the NHL anytime soon. Why rush him up? Why send him back up?
1: Yeah, I guess that's fair. I, that's
0: um, what I think they should do, and I hope that's what they will do. I don't know if that's what they'll do.
1: Though. Well, I think that's what they are doing. Um, okay. Well, but,
0: hopefully, hopefully I'm right, and that's what they choose but to go I, I with. think it, you're right, Blackwood has played pretty well.
1: Yeah, I I, I guess I, me personally, I tend to think more about like just going with the um, – Going with, like, the young goalie and and seeing how he, you know, develops. And it would be better for his development if you're going to think of the... Like, I'm thinking long-term. Like, Blackwood is the goalie of the future, not uh, Kincaid or Schneider. So, I would, like, have him up there just so he can get some experience. Um, but... And especially since he's been playing well. So, it's not like you're hurting the team even still because, like, he can play. But... yeah. I don't know. I guess you do have a good point in terms of the fact that, like, if you put Kincaid or Schneider on waiver, like send them down, they're gonna have to pass waivers, and that's very unlikely that they're gonna be doing that. Although yeah, I that's
0: guess what, that's what the Abs are doing with Tyson Yost in a way, yeah, I mean, true. Like six goals on sixty-four shots and fifteen points in forty-one games this year, four power play goals. Yeah, that looks pretty nice, but you are only going to have him on an entry level for so long until he has to go through waivers and you yeah. risk losing him at that point True. so the answer her to send him down get him some confidence and then bring him back up when he's ready and yep. i think that's what the devils are doing they're taking advantage of the fact that blackwood's on an entry level he can be sent down to the minors so send him back down get him some more work and um not risk to have Lose, uh, lose a goalie or a player to waivers so yeah i guess that's um, fair okay. I, I think that's why the devils did what they did but um i think both blackwood and schneider need action outside of the all-star game during the devils buy
1: yeah yeah no i agree um so let's go to the bruins send segment speaking of goaltending needing experience uh carter hart was phenomenal in this game um he kind of he was a showstopper basically he yeah, had, I
0: think he, like he faced 17 shots in the second period alone and the Flyers yeah. had 19 the entire game
1: yeah he faced 42 shots overall um he stopped uh 39 of them so he only gave up 3 goals but um he was very impressive i was impressed by him um but uh the bruins um yeah, this was one of those games where I felt like the Bruins should have won. Uh, we had all those chances, but Carter Hart made all these stops, and then um, Jaroslav Halak just kept on letting in all these like different soft goals. Um, Sean Couturier, yeah,
2: like, the, like Couturier, got
0: a hat trick on five shots, yeah. and I saw the fourth hole. it was not good.
1: No, it wasn't. It was like it went right through uh, Halak's like uh, five hole. Um, yeah, his legs. Um so it was, under his
0: under his left pad, I think, and yeah, yeah. And short side. Yeah. Um
1: there was another one too where he, I felt like he should have had. So um but again, Couturier did have a hat trick, so I don't want to discredit him. Um also Carter Hart played really well, so it's like even if I'm not necessarily sure if if uh Hart if like if Halleck was playing well, like if Carter Hart like if the Bruins would have still won um, with all that said so um, so that it's tough to say but at the same time it's like this was just a frustrating game um, because especially since we the Bruins had a 2 nothing lead uh, David Pasternak and Peter Slerk uh, both got goals there um, then Oscar Lindblom scored and then the Sean Couturier show started um, in sec- in the second period he gets 2 in the second um, and then he gets uh, another one in the third, which was the one that you, you found, Steve. And then yeah. Peter Selerik, uh gets his second goal of the game. Peter Selerik actually was called down after this game. Um, I believe it was to bring up, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but um, he was, uh... oh no, he played in St. Louis, hold on. Um, whatever he was, he was called down against the Rangers, but I'll talk about the St. Louis game where they uh Tuka Rask was in net here. Um, they played uh, the St. Louis Blues. Jake Allen, which w- was in net, which I thought was kind of strange because uh, I would just roll with Jordan Bennington. Um, mm-hmm. but um, it seemed like they didn't agree with that. Um, and they left. The, uh Jordan Bennington to your senators um, so so maybe there was that but um yeah the Bruins uh the Bruins did well uh, Tory Krug had like an up close shot which is rare for a defenseman but uh, he got a goal there um uh, it started in the second period um then Ryan O'Reilly uh, that was kind of like a nice tic-tac-toe there uh, but I know oh, it was like off of deflection but it was nothing that Tuka Rask could have done there um Carl Gunnarsson um scores as well um and then like shortly thereafter David Backus scores um and then in the third period it was the Bruins uh did really well uh this is where Jake Allen started to fall apart Chris Wagner scores from Jacob first for ba- for Carlson I've liked what I've seen of JFK so far um He's been uh he's been pretty good. He it seems like they kind of switch him around in the lineups every now and then, but um, I've liked what I've seen of him. Uh, Charlie McAvoy gets his first assist or his first points since returning, um, uh, from uh, with uh, Patrice Bergeron also gets the assist with uh, Brad Marchand getting the goal. But Charlie McAvoy basically made this play because he was like behind the net, and then all Brad Marchand had to do was just shoot it um and he did because like um but like it was a nice it was a nice passing play um from McAvoy um and then Sean Corrali gets an empty net um this was actually a funny one because Chris like a couple minute like I think a minute beforehand Chris Wagner like had the puck like an inch from the goal from the empty net and it hit the post so okay. it was like a, it was like a, you know, remember that Patrick Stefan, um, oh, yeah, empty that night. One. it Everyone reminded one. me a lot of that. Cause like yeah, Chris Wagner one. completely whists on the puck where like he lit, he was literally like an inch from scoring right there. Um, yeah. but, uh, but then, uh, eventually he gets an assist eventually. Cause they, they sent it to Sean Corrale, uh, through David Pasternak, uh, David, uh, Craigie, but, it was, it was kind of a funny uh, thing there. Uh, so that was a good win for them, for the Bruins.
0: It, it was one of those games where, unlike the Philly game, they executed on the chances yeah. they did have. And uh, their depth shined. I mean, Krejci had a big game. Chris Wagner scored that beauty goal. Yeah. Um, Backus chimes in as well.
1: Yep. Um, and Tuga it, played phenomenal, too. So Yeah, exactly. Um, which is why I'm saddened to say here, because... Uh, so first off, the, the Bruins play the Rangers on Saturday. Um, Danton Heinen gets a goal uh, from Jacob fersbacher Carlson, um, and then uh, then in the uh, towards the end of the first period, uh, Philip Hedel crashes the net. Uh, he goes past David Pasternak, and then he goes past uh, Charlie McAvoy. Um, but then Charlie McAvoy decides to check Hedl, he- which is fine because uh, that's what you're supposed to do. But then what happens is Hedl goes into the air. The puck goes in, by the way. So this is all before. Um, this was after the goal goes in. But then McAvoy hits Hedl, and then he goes flying straight to Tuka Rask's head. Um, and a Rask hit uh, the goalpost. Um, and then he laid on the ice for about like a minute or two. Uh, it was a very scary scene. Cause I thought it was, um, it was, you know, like he obviously had a concussion, but I thought it was going to be like even worse. Cause now I'm mm-hmm. thinking like, I'm wondering just, just from like a long-term perspective is like, um I'm not sure if like you know concussions are hard to come by because like I look at like a guy like Corey Crawford who's yeah. having concussion issues um I think there's probably a couple of other play- uh, goalies who have concussions um in their history but they never really are the same when they come back so I'm just like you know like it is good that we have a a bye week um, and we have a week left. But I have a feeling that he's going to be out for even longer than that. And um, so I think it is time to panic um, in that regard. I'll talk more about that later. Um, Mika Zabinejad scores in the second period. It was off of a face-off from Matt Zuccarello. Which I thought was kind of odd when you think about it. Because Zuccarello like, is a winger and Zabinajad is a center. But they switched sides. and. Zuccarella gets the face-off from Brady Shea, and then Brady Shea g- gets it to Zibinijad, who scores it. Um, the third period, Brad Marchand t- uh, ties it up from Basternak and Bergeron, because who else? And then in the third period, Mika Zibinijad scores again uh, from Kevin Shea and Kirk and, Z- uh, and, and Zuccarello. Um So there's that. Um, yeah, the thing that... Makes me worry. I guess the key here is like it, it kind of obviously it sucks to uh, lose to the Rangers because they're you know they're a lottery team and all that stuff. But like, uh, Halleck was not like we mentioned this earlier on in the, in the broadcast. Like, Halleck was not like has kind of returned back to his old form. Um, especially mm-hmm. like in his last four starts, I think he's given up like. Like five or four goals, or something like that. Um, so it's it reminds me back to the time in the Islanders, and this is where I'm starting to worry. It's like it looks like we're gonna lose Rask for long term now, and I'm not necessarily sure, um, if Halleck's gonna be the starting goalie. Um, I would love, love to see uh, Halleck be back to what he was. Early on in this season. But I don't think we're going to see that. Um, I'm This is one of those moments where I'm hoping that I'm wrong. And Halleck is a servable, serviceable backup when Rask is healthy. But this is when we need Halleck to be Halleck. Um, or to be a, a legitimate goaltender. Um, so, like, I was going to mention this even before the Rask injury. But, like, Halleck is not... It hasn't been a good backup for the for the last couple of starts, and and now we're gonna have to rely on him full time. So, um, I w- I hope we maybe make a trade and get someone up. Um, maybe we can get someone from the AHL Bruins team to uh, help out here, which is probably what we're gonna be doing. But, um, and hope we have like a situation like Colin Delia in Chicago. Or like a Jordan Binnington um, in uh, in in St. Louis or something like that, but just having like a hope like someone that we didn't expect to be a good goaltender and all of a sudden he's a good goaltender. So um, hopefully that's that maybe that that could happen, but I I don't see the Bruins making the playoffs even if if Halex the starter for long term. So it is time to panic. Um, yeah, um, I do like what I'm seeing on the front. Uh, everything besides the goaltender, um, but yeah, I am I I am seriously worried about Tugrulas, and even when he's healthy, I don't even know if he's going to be back to form because I don't want to rush him, um, to full health. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't think we're going to make the playoffs if if uh, Halex, playing like he is right now.
0: Yeah, and the one thing the Bruins have to worry about now that they didn't have to worry about in years past is that buffalo is good again true and buffalo is and montreal
1: and And montreal is good too so it's yeah exactly it's not just buffalo but yeah it's um so last year
0: you know yeah tampa toronto and that was it and then everybody else but now you have buffalo and montreal in the mix again then you start to get put in that wild card fray and, they and even that players. wild
1: card spot. Yeah. That, those are probably going to be to like Metro teams. So it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah. yeah um,
0: if the, if the Metro shapes up like it did last year, then yeah, probably.
1: So the good so, news, the good news is that we're on a bye week and I'll give, uh, the team some rest cause we've, we've had a lot of injury, um, this, this season. Um, mm-hmm but um, I have a feeling that Tuca is going to be out for much longer than just this bye week. So, yeah, it's time to panic. <laughs> now off to your sins.
0: Yeah, and uh, all, on top of that, speaking of Bruins injuries, Andrew Bjork is hurt. Right. he's out five to six months. His yep. season's
1: over. That's one of those things that it's – because he was injured last year uh, too, um, and he had a similar season when he was called up, but it's, it's, now it's time to wonder if he's like – if injury is going to be end his career kind of thing. Cause you know, that can derail a, that can derail a season or a, a, a player, um, especially someone of his age. So um, hopefully he figures it out. It's just bad luck. But um, I look at like a guy like Robbie Fabry, who hasn't been the same since all his injuries. Yeah. So I just hope it it isn't like that. And we, And we haven't really seen Anders Bjork to his potential um just yet i don't think so um and we may not we may never see his potential um just yet because he may just be uh done through due to injury. so we'll see
0: yeah Yeah, again hopefully one of those scenarios where you are wrong
1: yep exactly to my friends
0: where it's not as it's not as bad as (laughs) god would be actually gotten a little
1: bit better who would have thought Um, at this point i'm like the i'm like the pessimist the cynic here and you're like the oh everything's going well
0: (laughs) yeah i feel i feel i feel like uh things are gonna change in the worst of ways to the sins because it's the sins and nothing goes their way but for the time being everything's going well um they return to death valley they get four of a possible six points on that road trip and they get a desperate Colorado team coming off a big win in Toronto. Open to get another two points on the board. The good news, Ottawa gets Thomas Shabbat back. And they end up outshooting the Avs 13-8 to in the first period, although no goals were scored. Definitely good when you can get uh, ahead of uh, the Avs and shots generated. Because uh, we all know with that offensive talent, uh, Colorado's a tough team to handle and then the goals start to pour in in the second period, and the Sens open up a 3-0 lead in the first nine minutes of action Brady Kachuk, surprise, surprise getting the ball rolling, Mark Stone gets on the board, and then Shabbat with uh, welcome back to the big leagues, kid gorgeous feed to Ryan Dezingle for his 19th of the year some of the stuff that Thomas Shabbat does is honestly incredible and um, so glad uh, he's uh, making the strides that he's making now Looks to be uh, in good condition uh, to play in the All-Star game, which is nice. Uh, Zodorov, of course, has to break the shutout because uh, the Sens can't shut out anybody. Um, so that gives the Avs some life. Uh, but then Matt Duchesne, on his birthday, uh, proud new dad, scores 749 into the third. Um, that was his second point of the night. He uh, would later add an empty netter. Uh, to make it a 5-2 game. Uh, so Matt Duchesne has 20 goals on the year, 3-point night on his birthday. So that's terrific for him. Um, there was a bit of a sequence in the third period that could have changed the game. Um, McKinnon got a power play goal to make it 4-2. But before that, it looked like the ass had made it a 4-2 game after one of the luckiest bounces goes off of Anders Nilsson and in. Um, basically what happened is Nielsen tried to cover the puck, he couldn't the puck goes behind him, one of the Ass players banks it off of Nielsen and in it is challenged because apparently the net is off its moorings, which I didn't see and somehow that goal gets called back so if that goal counts and McKinnon's goal uh, is scored then it's a 4-3 game, all of a sudden anyone, anything can happen um, I believe Colorado i think colorado was on the power play late in the game so they had a six on four anyways um so it it would have been a six on four for you know a four three score colorado pressing a tie the game who knows how that game ends uh if that disallowed goal um stands um it is is eventually changed into goal it wasn't uh so you know as a sense fan i'll take that uh 5-2 win over the avs uh, Shabbat finishes the night with one assist and five shots in less than 20 minutes of time on ice. Um, I like what Chris Tierney did in the second period. Uh, there was a creative feed to him. He uh, uses his speed going to the net, uh, tries to wrap around, draws a penalty, and uh, late in the second period, uh, that kind of that kind of uh, takes away from the momentum that the Az just created by scoring that first goal. Um, the Sens were able to play well against a very good team. And if they continue to have quality 60-minute efforts, which I haven't seen enough of, once they start getting those 60-minute efforts, uh, they're going to be a tough team to handle. So uh, then we go to Carolina, where the Sens uh, have zero luck. Um, I believe the Hurricanes had like an 18-game point streak at Oman's Ottawa, like a 16-0-2 record. The last time Ottawa got a meaningful win there was uh, during the start of their run to the playoffs in 2014-2015. Um, but they hadn't beaten Carolina in regulation in 18 straight trips there. So I figured, okay, well, here comes another loss. But then Pajarvi gets his fourth of the year and the most botched celly I've ever seen this year. Um, And then Ottawa gets two goals in a span of 13 seconds in the second period. All of a sudden, they're up 3-1 after 40. Then uh, they get another one in the third. Anders Nielsen stops 33-34, of and they actually get a regulation victory in Carolina. Just like, okay. It's looking promising, and then Craig Anderson returns uh, for Saturday's game against Ottawa uh, against St. Louis. So I'm thinking, okay, got our number one goalie back from a concussion, almost missed an entire month. You know, starting to get a bit healthier. This is great, and uh, then three two loss. Okay, so um, when when you look at the Sens over the past six games, they have four wins. Considering that we're expecting the Sens to be a bad team I'm not entirely surprised with how Saturday's game played out I mean there was that game winner by Gunnarsson where apparently Anderson thought he had the puck and he was pissed because they dug it out and they put it in the net and they allowed it to count and that turned out to be the game winner but at at that point I'm just I'm just saying to myself you know what that's the kind of luck Ottawa has to deal with it is what it is Um, I look more at the two to one goal that cost the Sens the game The Sens have two, I repeat, two chances to clear the puck. They can't do it. Blues keep it alive. Blues score on that same play. Those are the plays that cost team points. When you have two tries to clear the puck, you can't do it. The other team makes you pay. You're going to have tough luck in this league, but you do not help yourselves one bit with plays like that. So um, with that being said, I'll take... I'll take four wins in six games happily if I'm the Sens. Um, I'll take the fact that Paul uh, broke a year-long drought with a goal. I I take a sauce in the fact that Anderson stopped 35-38 shots and looked fairly good in his return. Um, I'll take I'll, I'll take pride in the fact that the Sens had their chances to score. They just couldn't capitalize. Um, so they definitely have a lot to be proud of in in the six games that they played after dropping eight in a row. So, um, things are starting to turn around. They need to keep it going against Arizona on Tuesday. Then they're off till February 1st, uh, which is the All-Star break. Then they're bye week in the middle of that. Um, and that gives Pierre Dorian hopefully plenty of time to rest up some of their guys and sign some key members. And uh, we do have some news on the signing front. Nothing signed, sealed, and delivered yet, but the Sens are talking with um, Matt Shane and Mark Stone uh, according to uh, Sportsnet, and uh, later confirmed as well and added on to it by TSN's Darren Drager, um, it looks like the Sens op- made an offer to Matt Duchesne's camp that was $64 million over eight years. Uh, reported by Sportsnet on Saturday, on uh, Sunday, Darren Drager added to that that it could be between 65 and $75 million, depending on how they want to structure the AAV, whether it's 8 or $9 million. So either way it's looking like Matt Duchesne's next deal is going to be a big pay raise. And the thinking, according to Darren Dreger, is that Mark Stone isn't far behind uh, in terms of price tag. So whatever Duchesne gets, Stone is probably going to get around there. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how contract negotiations go there. Um, if they're focusing on Stone and Duchesne, maybe CeCe and Dezingle get put on the back burner. Maybe they become trade bait if both Stone and Duchesne resign. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, lastly, you mentioned uh, Anders Bjork uh, suffering a significant injury. Uh, Sens prospect Josh Norris suffered one of his own. He is done for the year and uh, won't be playing until next year. So um, wish him all the best. And hopefully he's ready to go next year uh, bigger, faster, stronger.
1: Yeah, Uh, he was playing pretty well for the, uh, I think he was like at a point per pace per game at uh, mm-hmm. michigan so
0: yeah like Quentin hughes great individual year team not doing as well
1: yep um well it's interesting because he was the guy that they got uh he was one of the guys that they got back they were, from the eric carlson trade yeah
0: exactly along with uh so, guys like rudolph pulsers
1: pulsers yeah so so there's that um yeah. I also, so I just saw this just happen, So I don't, I don't expect you to have much analyst here, but I saw that Ryan Spooner is put on waivers. So, <laughs> so, um, so that means, uh, poor Spooner. but that means that the Oilers traded Ryan Strom, uh, or for Jordan Eberle, then they traded Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner. And then yeah. they put Spooner on waivers. So it's like they they traded. Spooner,
0: Spooner they basically get nothing from yeah. Everly.
1: They got nothing from Everly, yeah. That's incredible. Um, it's a yeah.
0: last man.
1: Maybe funny. Ottawa
0: picks him up. He's an Ottawa boy. Maybe they take yeah.
1: him. Or Boston takes him back up. I would like that. Yeah, uh, that
0: could be an interesting, make be up. An interesting reunion.
1: So that we can get some pieces back from the the uh, Rick Nash trade. Um, or oh, hey,
0: maybe Anaheim picks them up, you know? Oh, anaheim
1: like, might be interesting. Yeah.
0: His team a lot. Maybe they yep. take him. Maybe Carolina. True. Maybe Carolina That's to compensate for a big trade they make. We'll see.
1: Yep. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud and iTunes. We're also on where you can really catch us up on is Twitter, our Lace, em up, um, Lace up podcast. Um, that's our Twitter account. Um, our Facebook is Lace em Up. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff.
0: I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll talk again in episode 156 of the Lace em Up podcast.